Good day. Welcome to Fitzroy Online. Whatever time of the day you're watching, whatever time of the week you're watching, wherever in the world you're watching, you're very, very welcome. If you're one of those who we call associate members from around the world, we are obviously beginning to think about what Fitzroy will look like um, after lockdown and how we will continue to stay in touch with you if you're interested in that and we would love to know so if you could send us a message go on the website send us a message tell us where you're from tell us what you've enjoyed about uh, coming and joining us on a Sunday and if you feel there's anything more we can do for you or how you would like us to help you going forward when we begin to gather again we will stay online we will be an online presence but we want to know what that should look like and your information to us would be very, very helpful in that. If you're a Fitzer, then uh, please uh, continue with us in our journeys through Lent. Uh, Fitzroy Together, uh, the travel narratives, that will continue this evening. And uh, we've lined out the six weeks. You can find it there on the website of different things that we're doing to bring us together in our different places during these Lenten weeks. And I think we have a special message coming to us about a special event on Wednesday night. Hi there, uh, I'm McMurray here inviting you to Compass Conversations on Wednesday evening. Easier to experience and to explain, but just the key things I want you to know, um, I guess, about it. Um, Compass means we're getting direction, and that's really important because our theme in Lent is about journeying. So we do need a compass. And the compass point will be taken from how we understand what God's been trying to show us through these 12 months of lockdown. Uh, There's been hard times, but there's been learning and conversation because we're going to do it through conversation with each other. Um, And that will bring, I guess, uh, a deeper connection between our community when we have missed each other so much over the last 12 months. So Compass Conversations on Zoom with me and Trish Eaton and the Holy Spirit who will be joining us as well and really look forward to seeing you then. Bye.
Let's join together in prayer. God, our loving Heavenly Father, we remember that your word teaches us that we should not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we should present our requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this tremendous promise as we come to pray for others today. Lord Jesus, we pray for all the teachers, pupils and staff returning to school in the coming weeks. We pray that they would know peace and protection. Help them to cope well with all the changes and challenges that lie ahead. We also give thanks for all the parents and teachers who have battled through the months since Christmas. They have sought to balance life, family, work and learning from home. There have been times of joy, fun and discovery. But there have also been difficult times. For many, it has been exhausting. So we pray that you would give them rest and renewed energy for the weeks ahead. Lord, we also give thanks for the technology which has enabled our children and young people to learn at home. And which has enabled our church family to worship together. And our young people to gather online each week for community, fun support and encouragement. Thank you for all the resources and technology that has helped us all to stay in touch with friends and family despite social isolation. And as we begin to think about life after lockdown, we pray for church leaders and volunteers as they interpret the roadmap for coming out of lockdown. And as they discern how best to connect with children, young people and families again. We pray for all the youth and family workers serving throughout your church. This has been a challenging year. So we pray that you would give them rest and restore them as they go into this next season. We pray too for those that depend on them. That they would know how loved and cared for they are. And Lord, we also remember all those church leaders who are running on empty right now. Would you give them energy for the months ahead and vision for what you're calling them to? We pray that they may know God's presence in their preparation and inspiration for how to connect with and support adults, children, and young people in creative ways. And we especially remember our young people and our students today. They have had to cope with so much change, so many challenges, so many disappointments and uncertainties over the past year. We pray for their resilience and for their mental and emotional well-being. As young people prepare to return to school, we lift up all those young people who were preparing for GCSEs and A-levels. We are conscious that their school journey is not ending the way they had planned. 
So we pray that they would have an extra dose of endurance to stay organized and encouraged. Increase their capacity and resolve, O Lord. In the times when they feel discouraged, give them hope. In the moments when they feel tired, worn down and discouraged, give them rest. In the moments when they feel frustrated with everything, give them grace. And in those moments when they feel overwhelmed, give them peace. Show them how they fit into the big story that you are writing. Give our young people a greater understanding of who you are and the plans that you have. Help them to see your will at work today. And as they think of their future, help them to dream big dreams for your kingdom. Guide and direct their steps and lead them on your path. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that long before this pandemic began, you were mindful of us and you cared for us. We thank you that each person is known by you. When you were putting the moon and the stars in their place, you were thinking of us and had a plan for us. Thank you for the difference this makes in our lives. In a world of despair, you are our hope. In a world of darkness, you are our light. In a world of sorrow, you are our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
today is from Mark chapter 8 verses uh, 31 to 38 and it's from the New International Version. Jesus predicts his death. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels.
captivated by a song this week I know what you are saying there's no surprise in that but it was a bit of a surprise to me because I was a massive David Gray fan way back in time centuries end right through to Sell 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 and then I kind of lost him after White Ladder because it got a little bit commercial and I haven't really listened with any intent to any of his albums for maybe 15 or 20 years but in the last week he brought out a, an album called Skellig and it has really grabbed my attention. It's very pared back in the musicality. It sounds a little bit locked down. It's got Celtic choirs, he describes them as on it. Um, and and it's, it's a beautiful piece. It's a meandering, poetic, meditative piece, actually. And the first song in the title track, Skellig, that's the one that drew me in. Why is he writing about Skellig? And it seems that for David Gray, Skellig is this image... Uh, of of these this outcrop of rock uh, on the in the west of Ireland, this jutting, spiky, difficult little tiny outcrop, where monks 
decided they would go and live in stone beehives to get close to God. As David Gray says, in the 6th century, how noisy and loud was the west of Ireland that you would feel you had to get out into the middle of a dangerous sea onto dangerous rocks where you would probably only have uh, a few bird's eggs, maybe a couple of birds if you could catch them, and fish if you could get down to near the water because of how treacherous the rocks are. How much did they want to get close to God? Skellig, interesting image of people, spiritual people, monks trying to get close to God. David Gray says this, this, these are his words about it. He was pondering that idea of setting up a monastery in such a remote place. How close to God could you possibly wish to be? He goes on, it blows my mind anyway to get so close to God in a contemplative way. We talk a lot about Christian things. I go on about it and rant about it for 15 or 20 minutes every Sunday and we go through all kinds of other ways that we we consider God and Christian faith and doctrine and church and how church should work. To find God. That's been like a dog at my heel this week. To find God. Have we the same energy, passion, prepared for sacrifice to find God that the monks had on Skellig? Today's reading uh, is an interesting one. Eileen read it to us earlier. This passage at the end of Mark 8. Is it just me being contrived? Or is this the Skellig of the Gospel according to Mark? It rises out of the powerful movements of Mark's oceanic account of Jesus' life. It stands strong and sharp and spiky and frightening and dangerous in the midst of this discipleship journey that Mark is describing. We're in the travel narratives and these words in Mark are pretty close in uh time to those words where we start the travel narratives in Luke chapter 9. Similar themes being discussed. I find it interesting that the lectionary was that close to our thinking in Fitzroy about travel narratives. But let's just for a moment do the travel narratives in the other direction. What I mean by that is we're often coming to the Bible from the wrong side. We come to it from Revelation back through. We come to it from 2,000 years of knowledge of what happens in the latter chapters of Mark before we get to the early chapters of Mark. So let's for a moment decide that we're going to journey with the disciples. In fact, we're going to be disciples journeying with Jesus from Mark chapter 1 right through to this interesting reading, this skellig reading in Mark chapter 8. The disciples have watched Jesus plant his flag on the planet. Here it comes. The kingdom of God is here. The good news is here. Repent because believe in this new kingdom. Flagging the on the planet surface. He has declared that he is now back ruling. He then has this call of the disciples and we've looked at that. We have his baptism which talks about the old disappearing and the new coming. We've seen Jesus and we've walked with Jesus in these first seven or eight chapters of Mark 
We've walked with Jesus as he's done miracles, as he's taken on the powers of evil, and as he's taken on the powers of the religion of the day. The disciples are watching closely. The disciples are right there, comrades with him. And they must get to a point somewhere along this journey where they get a little bit pompous. They're anticipating. They're anticipating what the future looks like for them. And they begin to see themselves as those who perhaps are coming into power. Jesus is the Messiah and he's going to get rid of the Romans and he's going to take over the world. There's going to be some comfort and luxury in such an idea. And they're getting themselves a little bit excited about what's in this for them. We can see this in the chapters around Mark chapter 8 where they're trying to jostle for position of who's the greatest and who can sit beside him and all of this stuff. And then chapter 8, 31, they hit Skellig. Suddenly there's no comfort. Suddenly Jesus rips out any anticipation of power or luxury. And he gives them a completely other place spiritually that they're going to get close to God. Jesus tells them where this is all leading to. And the cross is not a contrived thing. Jesus is not saying, look guys, whatever happens ahead, you can be sure that God is going to contrive the events around me so that I'm going to die on a cross. Jesus is telling them that since the death squads tried to take him out in those early chapters of the nativity, that basically when Jesus lives the life that Jesus lives, he is going to have to face up to the powers of the age and the powers of the age that are shaken by his presence by his flag on the ground by the good news of a new kingdom are going to take him out there's no questions about that the things that Jesus does gets him taken out but Peter doesn't get it the disciples don't get it in fact they're still asking questions a couple of chapters on that they really should have got an answer to in this skellig pericope Peter doesn't get it and Jesus rebukes him you can see Peter coming up to Jesus and saying look Jesus it's not going to go like that we've been watching and we know you've got the power here you, you've got the ability to do it almost like a football coach comes up to the young player and says don't worry about this you, you have it you have it you're better than them you're going to do all right Jesus says get behind me Satan because those are not the ways that we're getting into here and he says these words that are really really crucial you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This was the battle that was going on in the world and in the lives of the disciples. This flag that was planted by Jesus, this good news, this kingdom that needs to be repented to achieve, this turning around of how life was, this old being washed away and the new coming through the waters of baptism, this is all so new that it deals with the human concerns of the time and gets rid of them so that God's concerns are back in the forefront of how humanity is. Reminds you, does it not, of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the ways, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Is that why the monks 
took off to Skellig? Did they want rid of the human concerns? Did they want to get close to the unadulterated concerns and thoughts of God? Getting close to God. How far will we go? We realise too that as we read these verses that the cross that Jesus takes up and is going to have to face is the cross that we're all going to have to carry. Because those who come after me must deny themselves and take up their cross. If you want to gain your life, you'll lose it. But if, uh, if, you, if, if, you, if you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you will gain it. The servant king. We are listening. We are in the presence of. If we want to get close to God, we need to get close to this servant king. It's the key. As I say time and time and time again, we are journeying. We are in the travel narratives with the God of the manger and the donkey and the cross. The Christian life, it seems to me, discipleship, it seems to me, has love as its attitude, humility as its posture, service as its action. We carry our crosses. These are the things that Jesus is trying to teach in this passage that Eileen read this is the Skellig verses these are the Skellig verses love giving up our lives for others is the attitude humility the God who was Lord of the universe becomes a servant is the posture and the action of the servant who washes the disciples feet that is the action so we have this attitude of love this posture of humility this action of service that's carrying our crosses That's denying ourselves. That's where we lose ourselves into finding God and getting close to God as we walk with God, as we act alongside God, as we become as close to who God is. And what we discover in these verses is we discover that this upside downness, this humility being the key posture, this service that a king gives, that the Lord of Lord gives, that this upside downness of the gospel is actually the right way, the right side up way of the gospel. Because it's in doing these things that we save our soul. It's in doing these things that we find ourselves. It's in doing these things that we don't forfeit our soul. It's in doing those things that we find God. And we're back to Skellig. We're back to this outcrop of rock. We're out to this discomfort. We're out to this preparedness of giving up. This preparedness of going without. This preparedness of giving away. This preparedness of giving ourselves in a sacrificial way to others the way the God of the universe sacrificed himself on a cross as we take up our cross to follow him to follow him and you know this week as I've listened over and over again to the song Skellig and the entire album but the song Skellig particularly I've asked myself Stockman are you anywhere close to this as I read Mark chapter 8 I went have I any clue how close it is to be God am I in any way prepared to give up the human concerns 
that are pushing and pulling everything around me to live in God's concerns? Am I really up even on a Thursday that during Lent Fitzroy's using as the be nice to others day? Maybe in fact the fact that we have to do that is telling us that our lives are not rooted in the attitude of love, the posture of humility, the action of service. And so Skellig, Skellig, oh I don't think we need to be monks. In fact, I think the Incarnation tells us we need to move not out into outcrops of the ocean, but into the neighbourhood. But I think the same daring, I think the same sacrifice, I think the same kind of cost to our lives, I think that's the same as the monks on Skellig. And I think their desire to find God, I need to pursue that. I need to find that. Because I think I'm a long way off the closeness of God that they had in Skellig or the verses of Mark chapter 8. We're going to listen now to a song. See it as a reflection. If you can sing along with it, do. But see it as a reflective piece where we can listen and we can put our, our lives in the hands of the God of all our tomorrows. Trust you. 
Thank you for watching, thank you for listening, thank you for using us as a resource uh, for worship, reflection, spiritual formation. Coming out of that song that Stephanie sung, maybe we need to just, in the benediction today, pray it over one another and put each other into the hands of a God who has all our tomorrows. So let's close our eyes, think of a few people that we want to bless in this benediction, and then let's pray this incredible prayer over them. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.